Okay, we are on Yud Bet, Amud Bet, 12b, and we are at the very bottom line, Kayotzebo, um, so kind of halfway in the middle of the last line. We are talking about how, although there was a verse that seemed to say that once the Mashiach comes at the end of days, we will no longer discuss coming out of Egypt, that redemption, because we'll be so focused on the newer redemption. But we explain the verse to mean that although our primary focus will not be coming out of Egypt, that redemption, still it will still remain as a secondary focus. So now we're going to talk about other instances where we can explain verses that seem to imply that we will no longer have anything to do with a certain thing to really mean that it will just become a secondary focus and will no longer be the primary focus. So Kayotzevo Ata Omer, we find something similar. Um, in the following verse, it says, Lo od Yaakov ki im Yisrael It says that um, when God gives Jacob, Yaakov, the new name Yisrael or Israel, it says your name shall no longer be Jacob, rather Israel shall be your name. We are now on the top of 13a. And uh, we're now going to explain that verse. Lo Yaakov This does not mean that Yaakov will be completely uprooted, that that name will, is completely abolished. Rather, just means that Israel will be the new name, Yisrael, and Yaakov will become a secondary to it. And now that we have... Um, Shown that this is the case that we will that we can still we will still mention coming out of Egypt um, when when Mashiach comes and it just won't be our primary focus. Now we're going to continue on that note with a proof. And so does it say? This is a verse from Isaiah. You will not remember the firsts and the earlier ones. You will not think about. When it says you will not remember the first things ones, this is a reference to the redemption that we had from the exile of different uh, kings throughout our history. The Kadmonios Altisbonanu, and when it says the early ones you will not uh, think about, you will not contemplate, this is a reference to coming out of Egypt. So we see this verse in Isaiah made it very clear that all the other redemptions prior to the redemption of Mashiach we will not think about at all, we will not even talk about, we will not mention. But the one coming out of Egypt, we will just not think about, we will just not contemplate. It will just not be our primary focus, but certainly it's something that will still be mentioned. Um, now that we talked about that, now that we're on this verse from Isaiah, we're going to continue talking about it. The next part of the verse says, Hinani Oseh Behold, or Hinani here, I will um, make something new. Atatitzmach, it will now flourish, or it will now sprout. And what is this a reference to? Tanervios, if you also explain, Zomochemes Gogu Magog, this is a reference to the king of Gog, the, the war between Gog, uh, Milchemes Gogu Magog, the, ki, the war of Gog and Magog, which I think we have discussed before. It's the war that's going to happen before the um, end of days, before Mashiach comes. And this new thing that will sprout is a reference to that war being finished and then obviously the coming of Mashiach. Mashol ad Mahadavar Domas. Now we're going to continue talking about why it is that the final redemption will overshadow all of the other redemptions. Mashol Mahadavar Doma, a parable. To what is this comparable? 
to a person that was going on the road, and he met a wolf, but then was saved from the wolf. So he went and told the story of the Masa Ze'ev, the story of the wolf. But then he continued walking, and this time he met up with a lion, and he was saved from the lion. So he started to tell the story of the lion, and then he met a snake on the road, but was saved from the snake, which is even more dangerous than the lion and the wolf. And he forgot both, that made him forget both of the salvations from the wolf and the lion. And all he would talk about anymore was the story of the snake. So too is it with the Jewish people. The later afflictions, the later um, the later pains that they went through, and then the redemption from them, makes the earlier pain and the earlier sufferings and the redemption from them forgotten, because it's a it's an even more intense salvation from a more intense suffering. Okay, now we are at the colon, the first colon on Yud Gimel Amad Aleph on thirteen A, and we are going to talk about. Um, now that we talked about Yaakov's name, how he was changed, his name was changed to Yisrael, we're going to talk about others whose names were changed. Avram, who Avraham. The verse says that now that Avram, the first, uh, the first of our patriarchs, Avram, will now be Avraham. A hey was added to his name by God. So at first he was the father to Aram which was the um, area in which he lived, the country in which he lived. So he was the father to them without the hey in the name. So it's uh, it's a combination of the words Av Aram, that's his name. But in the end, he became a father to the entire world. So the hey was added to show that. Um, so now we're going to talk about Avram's wife, Sarah, the first of our matriarchs. Sarai, he Sarah. Sarai's name became Sarah. Bitchila Sarai means my princess. Sarah means the uh, princess. Bitchila nasa Sarai luumasa. In the beginning, she was my princess. She was a princess just for her nation. Ubasof nasa Sarah lechol haolam kulo. But in the end, she became a princess to the entire world. Okay. Now that we talked about Avram's name, we're going to go further with that. Tani bar kapara bar kapara tat. Anybody that calls Avraham by his earlier name, Avram, without the hey, um, transgresses a positive commandment, because the verse says, and your name will be Avraham. So that's God saying your name is Avraham. You can't, if you call him anything else, then you're transgressing that commandment. Rabbi Eliezer Omer over Balav, Rabbi Eliezer says, um, you actually are going to be transgressing a negative commandment, because again, God says, that your name shall no longer be Avram. So it's a negative commandment that you'll be transgressing if you call him Avram instead of Avraham. But according to that, according to this way of thinking, then if you call Sarah, Sarai, then so too you will have transgressed a commandment. So why don't we mention that? Why do we only mention Avraham? So we answer, Because when it came to the name of Sarah, there God explicitly told Avraham, Sarai, your wife, shall no longer be called Sarai, ki 
Sarah Shema, because Sarah is now her name. So there God made it very clear that she should no longer be called a Sarai. So we don't even need to mention that, of course, if you would call her Sarai, then of course you would be transgressing a commandment. Continuing with the name changes, Elameata, according to this, Hakore li Yaakov, Yaakov, Hachanami. So, so too, if you call Yaakov by the name Yaakov, you should also be transgressing a commandment because his name was changed by God to Yisrael. So he answers, Shani Hasam, the Hadar Ahadre Kra. No, there you are not going to transgress a commandment because there the verse made it very. Because there the verse uses the name Yaakov. The Torah uses the name Yaakov even once he was given the name Yisrael. Dichsiv, as the verse says, Vayomer Elokim li Yisrael. God said, to Yisrael, Bemaros Halayla, in a vision at night, Vayomer, and God said, Yaakov, Yaakov, Jacob, Jacob. So there we see that even after being given the name Yisrael, God can called him, uh, continued to call him Yaakov. Masaf Rabbi Yossi Bar Oven, Vissimer Rabbi Yossi Bar Zavida. Rabbi Yossi Bar Oven and some say Rabbi Yossi Bar Zavida um, asked on the previous Brisa um, that said that you will be transgressing a commandment if you call Avram, Avraham, Avram, because doesn't God, later on, isn't Avram, even after Avram's name is changed, isn't he still called Avram? As it says in the prophet Nehemiah, Atahu Hashem HaElokim, you are Lord our God, Asher Bacharto Ba'avram, that chose Avram. And this is thousands of years later, yet the prophet is calling Avraham, Avram. So Amr so we answer for that, he's answered back, Hasam Navihu, there it's a prophet, the Kamasadr Lishvachei Derachmana, my Dahavami Kara, there it's a prophet that is um, that is praising God for what had been earlier. And earlier, when when the when the moment the moment that that Nehemiah is praising God for at that point in time, Avraham was still known as Avram, so there it's appropriate to. So that's why there they use the name, but in general we cannot call Avraham Avram. All right, Hajan Allah Me'emasai. We shall return to you, Me'emasai, the chapter of Me'emasai, the first chapter of Brachot. We finished our first chapter together. It's very exciting, and now we will continue on to the second chapter. Um, this chapter we will get to some very Talmudic type discussions. It should be quite exciting. All right, chapter two, we are at the beginning of the next paragraph, I guess. And this is a Mishnah. Hayakore Batorah, if one was reading the in the Torah, reading the Torah portion that has Shema, the, the Shema prayer is part of the Torah portion, Vihikiyaz Man HaMikra, and all of a sudden the time for Shema to recite the morning or evening Shema came, so you were reading the Shema, and it also happened to have been the time for the Shema. If you had, if you had, if you had intent, then you will have fulfilled your obligation to read the. Let's say it's the morning to read the morning Shema. Now that sounds like a pretty outlandish, far-off case, but it's practically very relevant in many different scenarios. We'll talk a lot about this. Okay, now we're going to talk about when you're allowed to interrupt when saying the blessings before Shema. Through Shema and the um, so basically Shema and its blessings. When are you allowed to interrupt? But Prakim, if you are between the paragraphs of the blessings and the Shema, Shoel and we'll discuss we'll dis explain what paragraphs mean. So we say Shoel Mipnei Hakavod. If there is somebody whose honor demands that you 
ask them, you greet them, then you're allowed to greet them between paragraphs. Umeshiv, and you can respond to them as well if they greet you, as long as you are between paragraphs. Uva emsa, but if you're in the middle of a paragraph, shoel mipnei hayira, then you're only allowed to greet somebody if it's somebody that you fear who has the ability to take your life, so you can greet out of fear, umeshiv, and then of course also return that greeting of that from that person. Diva Rabbi Meir, these are the words of Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Huda Omer, Rabbi Huda argues and says, Ba'emsa, if you're in the middle of the paragraph, one of the paragraphs, Sho'el Mipnei Hayira, you can greet out of fear, Umeshev Mipnei Hakavu, but you can return a greeting even if the person that greeted you, you don't fear, but you just have, you just um, need to show him honor. Um, uh, yeah, Ubiprakim, and if you are in the middle, if you are between paragraphs, then Sho'el Mipnei Hakavu, then you could greet out of um, honor, umeshiv shalom chaladam, and you can return the greetings of any single of any person. Now we're going to talk about what this means to be between paragraphs. Eluheim bein haprakin, these are the between the paragraphs. Bein bracha rishon between the first blessing before Shema and the second blessing before Shema. Bein shnia l'shma, between the second blessing of Shema and Shema, the first paragraph of the Shema. Between Shema, the first paragraph of Shema, and the second paragraph, which is Vahayayim Shema, and it will be if you listen. Between the second paragraph of Shema and the third paragraph of Shema, Vayomer. And then between Vayomer and the beginning of the next blessing of after the Shema, the beginning of the blessing after the Shema. Rabbi Huda Omer, Bihuda says no, Bain Vayomer Lamas Vyatsiv between the third paragraph of Shema and the beginning of the blessing after Shema, Lo Yafsik, you're actually not allowed to make a break. Okay, Amar Bishu, now we're going to continue talking about the order of Shema. Amar Bishubin Karcha, Bishubin Karcha said, Lama Kadma Parsha Shema Lavahaya in Shema. Why is the first paragraph of Shema? Why was that ordered? Before the second paragraph of Shema, the first paragraph of Shema is all about accepting upon yourself the, um, the a, a love of God and the concept of God. Um, and the second paragraph is about the mitzvot, is about keeping the commandments. So we answer, It's an order that you first accept upon yourself the yoke of God's royalty first, the acharkach mekabel alav all mitzvos, and only afterwards, then you will be, then you can accept upon yourself the yoke of the mitzvot, the yoke of the commandments. The hayayim shemal avayomer, and why is the second paragraph before the third paragraph? Why was it ordered that way? Shevahayim shemoan noheg bein bayomer bein balayla, because the content of the hayayim shemoan, which is the mitzvot, specifically one of the mitzvot is the mitzvah of studying Torah. That's a mitzvah that we have both by day and by night. Whereas the third paragraph of Shema, which is, focuses on the mitzvah of tzitzit, is only a mitzvah during the day. So we first wanted to talk about the mitzvot of day and night, and then we went to a mitzvah, a mitzvah that, is, um, that is only by day. That is the end of the Mishnah. Okay, so we will now return to the beginning of the Mishnah, where we had said that if you are in the middle of reading from the Torah, and you happen to be reading... Um, the Shema in the Torah, and it's also the time for saying Shema, then 
as long as you have the right, if, as long as you have intention, um, you will have fulfilled your obligation to say the Shema. So we see Shema Mina Mitzvos Trichos Kavana. We see from here that in order to fulfill your mitzvot obligations, you have to intend to fulfill a mitzvah. Because if not, then as long as you read the Shema, it doesn't. It shouldn't make a difference if you had if you intended to read the Shema and fulfill your obligation. It must be therefore that in order to fulfill a mitzvah, you need to intend. That you need to be, you need to. Your intent has to be that you are now fulfilling the mitzvah that you are um, involved in. So we answer. Oh, then we say no. My no. There's another way to understand this Mishnah. My im kivin liba. What does it mean when it says that uh, as long as you have intention, then you fulfilled your obligation? Likros. It just means you have to intend to read the words of Shema. Obviously, that doesn't make any sense. Likros, what does that mean? Intend to read the Shema. The Hakakar, you're in the middle of reading the Shema. That's what exactly what you're doing. What does that mean, intend to read the Shema? So we answer, Bekore Lahagia. The case of the Mishnah is a, is a very specific case. The case is, is that you're not reading for the sake of reading. You're reading to, to correct. You're reading in order to um, edit the Torah that you're looking at. You're looking for mistakes. You want to make sure everything is good. So when you're reading, you're not reading to read or to understand, or anything like that, you're just kind of just mumbling the words um, as a way to help you edit the Torah. So in that type of scenario, if you're just reading in order to edit, and you want to fulfill your obligation to say Shema, then you also, you actually have to have in mind to read, to read, not just to edit. So that's the way that they explain it. Okay, now we're going to talk about some of the laws of saying Shema. Tanu Rabbanon. So we're at the second line after the so the the line right after the begin the 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 line of the Gemara at the colon. Um, I believe it's the last colon on the page also. Okay, Tanra Bano, we uh, the rabbis taught. Kriya Shma Kichsava. Shma has to be said as it is written. It's written in Hebrew. You must say it in Hebrew in order to fulfill your obligation. Divrei Rebbe, these are the words of Rebbe. Whereas the sages say, no, you can say the Shema in any language. My time of the Rebbe, what is the reason for Rebbe that you have to do it in Hebrew? Because the first words of the Shema say, some of the first words of the Shema say, and they shall be. And the um, the way to expound that is, they shall be as they are. They are in Hebrew, so you shall say it in Hebrew. For Rabbanon, my time, what's the rabbi's reason for saying that you can say it in any language? Omar Kra. So we answer because the verse says Shema. The verse says, listen or understand. Any language that you hear or specifically understand. So you could say it in any language you understand. Ula Rabbi Nami. Now, according to Rabbi, who said, no, you can only say it in Hebrew. Haksiv Shema. Doesn't it say here, which seems to tell us, which the rabbis learned, understood as teaching us that. You need to say it in a language you, that you can say it in any language you understand. So Rebbe will answer, No, the word here is coming to teach you that you have to let your ears hear here that which is coming out of your mouth. Meaning, if you want to fulfill your obligation of Shema, you have to say it loud enough that you're hearing yourself say it. And the rabbis, from where do they learn that you need to say it that loud? So they, we say the Rabbanon, the rabbis, Savri Lahu, they hold command Omar like the person that says, that even if you were, it was not audible to your own ears, you still fulfilled your obligation. Okay, now, but now what about according to the rabbis who said you could say it in any language? Haksiv, that you understand. Haksiv Vahayu, doesn't the verse say Vahayu and they shall be? 
which Rebbe understood as teaching us that you need to say it the way it is, which is in Hebrew. So we answer, The rabbis understand this to mean that you just cannot say it out of order. When it says that you have to say it the way it's written is you have to say it in the order that the Shema prayer was ordered and you cannot say things out of order. And what about Rebbe? From where does he know that you can't read the Shema out of order? So we answer, He learns it from the fact that in the first verse of the Shema, that says, um, I'm sorry, it's the second verse of the Shema, that says, And it shall be these words that I command you today. It says, it doesn't say it shall be these words. It should, there's an extra hey, the word, the letter hey, before the word words, and Rebbe says that that Rebbe understands that as that being extra to teach us something, and he believes that that's there to teach us that you cannot say the Shema out of order. For Rabbanon Devarim Hadvarim Lodarshi, the rabbis say that that letter Hey that's there is not enough for us to go ahead and make expositions to expound off of, and that's why they feel that. Um, you need the word vehayu and it shall be to teach us that it cannot be said out of order. Okay. So now that um, now we're going to talk more about Rebbe's opinion. The Meimra to Savar Rebbe. Now, does this mean that Rebbe feels the Chol HaTorah Kula, that the entire Torah, the Chol Lashon Emra, could be said in any language? Meaning when we read the Torah on, this, uh, on Shabbat or Mondays and Thursdays, does this mean that Rebbe holds that you can read it in any language to fulfill your Torah reading obligation? Because if you think that Rebbe holds that you could have to say it specifically in Hebrew, that doesn't make sense. Because if so, then why do I need a, the word and it shall be specifically by the Shema to teach us that it needs to be done in Hebrew? Because if the assumption is, is that the entire Torah needs to be read in Hebrew, then why should Shema be any different? From the fact that we have a verse in Shema, a word in Shema that teaches us that it needs to be done in Hebrew, we can learn from there that Rebbe holds that the entire Torah readings for the rest of the year can be done in a different language. So then we answer, no, that's not a good inference. It's Terech, no. We can assume that the entire Torah needs to be read in Hebrew, and yet you still need the word Vehayu, and it shall be. So yes, yeah, so even if we can, so we can... We can assume that the entire Torah needs to be read in Hebrew. And yet, Itzterich, we still need to have a special verse by the Shema to teach us that it needs to be read in Hebrew. Because the Shema also has the word Shema here, understand. Um, which would seem to teach us that it could be said in any language that we understand. Therefore, we need the special verse, the word to teach us no, it must be done in Hebrew. Like the rest of the Torah. And now we're going to focus on the rabbis, the rabbanon, the sages. Now, are you going to tell me that the rabbis hold that the entire Torah um, needs to be read in Hebrew? Because if you're going to say that it could be read in any language, why then do we need a special word by Shema to teach us that it can be said in any language? The word here. If the entire Torah can be said in any language, why should Shema be any different? Rather, it must be that we have a special word by Shema to teach us it can be done in any language because the rest of the Torah cannot be done in any language, only in Hebrew. So then we have a very similar answer. It's Terech, no. We could say that the entire Torah needs to be can be read in any language. It's Terech, yet it's still necessary to have the word Shema or here, because 
the Shema paragraph has the word Vehayu in it, which you would possibly would come to teach us that it can be said, that it needs to be said in Hebrew. Therefore, we need to offset that word with the word Shema, or here, to teach us that it can be said in any language. Okay, we will uh, stop here for today. We'll start at the bottom of 13a um, on Wednesday. Let's just quickly go over what we're talking about. We were talking about names. And we were talking about how we'll how the Egypt, the redemption from Egypt will just become secondary, won't be completely abolished. We had that very interesting parable of the guy walking along the way and kept getting hurt, um, kept getting into danger, but then was redeemed. The final redemption is the one that stuck with him, though. Then we talked about different names. Um, are we allowed to still call them their previous names? And that got us all the way to the end of the first chapter of Brachot, and then we started the second chapter with the Mishnah. first part of the Mishnah talked about if you're reading from the Torah, can you, um, and you hit upon Shema at the right time for Shema, how do you fulfill your obligation? Then we talked about when you're allowed to make interruptions in Shema and its blessings. Um, and then we talked about the order, like how why Shema is in the order that it is in. Then we uh, started the Gemara. The Gemara said that uh, made the concluded that obviously you need to have intention in order to fulfill a mitzvah. But then we explained how we don't necessarily have a proof from the Mishnah that you need to have that type of intention. Then we talked about can you say Shema in any language or just in Hebrew, just in uh, lashon hakodesh, the holy tongue, uh, in, in any uh, or just in Hebrew. So and that got us really to the end of the page. Um, and we will start um, the next topic um, on Wednesday. Thank you so much, and congratulations on finishing the first chapter of Brachot.